people have like a bit of a misconception with private lenders. They think, like you said, like it's some guy in the corner or some guy in a smoky uh, bar who's ready to break legs if the rent, uh, if the interest checks don't come in. You know, we run a business, like we're business people. We often work with banks. So the banks, you know, we have good relationships with all the uh, conventional lenders. They know that they can call on us to help them in certain situations or help service their clients when they can't be competitive or they're not able to help. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. What's the real power of leverage? People think real estate is all about leveraging capital. Money is important, but what about the decisions we make? The things we do and don't do determine our success as investors. Choices and actions create success. Before we get to the bank, we make choices guided by mindset and by the things we do and don't know. If we want to succeed as investors, we need to leverage knowledge. We need to increase what we know so our actions pay bigger dividends. Join host Terry Schauer and Jean-Philippe Claude for conversations with leading experts in the real estate field. From mortgages to mindset and from macroeconomics to local market trends, grow your knowledge capital with us. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast where we seek advice to help us make better investing decisions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We have the pleasure today of welcoming Daniel Cerulli, who is director at Westmount Capital. Westmount Capital is a private equity firm, and so uh, we are going to a private lending firm, so we're going to get right into that. Hi, Daniel. How's it going? Hi, thank you for having me. Great. Um, do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about what you guys do as a firm and then specifically what sort of your expertise is? Yeah, so like you said, you know, we're private uh, private lenders. So basically, Westmount Capital, we, um, we focus on real estate lending, uh, anything involving real estate across different asset classes. So it could be multi-residential apartment buildings could be you know condo buildings that are being built for sale could be uh commercial properties like industrial buildings shopping centers office buildings mixed use we have commercial on the ground floor and apartments upstairs like and any class of real estate we, we touch on the thing the only thing that we don't uh work on is seniors homes um just because it's not within our realm of expertise but so basically we we, we finance real estate projects and basically uh we get involved in different types of projects always to facilitate um like a bridge so that could be an acquisition of a property like the repositioning of a property uh, that could be new construction uh it could be to bridge the sale at the back end or like a refinancing so anything bridge is what we do and uh, yeah, we're a small team based in Montreal and we cover the, the entire Quebec market. Okay, so I think you gave us just a little bit of a snapshot already of, of what you guys do, but maybe for people who are a bit less familiar with exactly what the role is of private lenders, could you maybe lay that out sort of for a layman? So let's say I'm familiar only with conventional banking and now I learn that there's a thing called private lending. So how exactly does that work? In terms of uh, like the, the, the main differences between, uh, say, a bank loan and a private loan? Yeah, or like when would we call, when should I call someone like you? 
Right. So the, the, main, the main difference, like obviously, you know, between a bank and a private lender is one's not a major financial institution. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a private lender. It could be an individual with some capital or it could be a small group of investors. Um, and basically the, the, the main reason people call them private lenders is to typically it's a, it involves an element of speed. So they just want to move faster. We, we all know that banks, you know, uh, they can take a bit of time to get different approvals and get their get their papers in order, uh, especially in this environment where things are, you know, very busy, people working from home, things take a bit longer, especially anything CMHC related in, in multifamily. Uh, so, so, like, to answer your question, people typically call privates to help when there's a, an urgent, an urgency issue, speed. You know, they want they want to acquire the property. They want to go through renovations quickly. And uh, the main difference is that you know you're dealing with a small company, a small group who can probably take decisions internally. And in our case, that's what we do. You know, we're three people in the office, and we we, we move quickly. Uh, there's no credit committees. There's no uh, you know outsourcing of underwriting. So it's really it's really a speed thing um, and a question of efficiency. Okay. Um, that makes sense to me, but maybe just by way of explanation, you could give me one or two concrete examples of a specific project that you worked on or the type of project that you work on so our listeners can kind of understand exactly what it is. I'll give you a good example. So so let, let's say you're buying a property or, you know, uh, an individual buying property and they come across it and it's, uh, you know, a pocket listing as they call it or an off-market deal. And, uh, you know, given the fact that it's, an off-market transaction and they want to wrap it up quickly as to make sure they don't lose it uh, they might call on us because they know that you know we're able to get everything organized and fund a loan to help them acquire the property within like a matter of days or, or weeks whereas they go call uh, you know a conventional under like a bank it might take you know a, a month or more so that's an example of where time is of the essence and that's when they could call us in um, another example where people get us involved is when the bank isn't um, necessarily competitive for what they're looking for or the appetite's not there. So let's say someone's buying an, uh, an apartment building and there's upside, you know, they want to do an optimization project. The rents are low or there's vacancy issues because the previous owner wasn't managing it well or, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, if the bank looks at it, you know, based on the typical ratios, they won't be willing to lend over, you know, call it fifty percent loan to uh, loan to purchase price, loan to cost. Uh, whereas a private like us, we don't have the same constraints that the bank might have in terms of ratios and the way things fit into their box. So we could look at it on like uh, on a project basis, see what they want to do with it, and and be more aggressive leverage wise. So uh, you know, things that don't fit in the bank's box can kind of be more appealing to us. Okay, and so if I want to work with you guys, how do I proceed? Do I try to form a relationship with you before I have a deal? Do I get to know you? Do you want to get to know your investors, maybe personally or business-wise? Or do people typically approach you once they have a deal and then they say, okay, here's the deal, here's my information, put the two together? That's a great question. And, um, you know, honestly, uh, every, every, you know, client and every relationship is a bit different, but it happens quite often that people call just to kind of get to know us. You know, how do we look at things, um, you know, discuss the process, what we look for, how we can add value to them and their projects. So, like I said, quite often, you know, I'll have discussions with people, uh, 
you know, explain what we do, talk about them and what their track record and what projects they've they've accomplished look like, how we could have helped them in the past, like on different on different examples. And then uh, when it's time to look at like a live file, we kind of already know them. That being said, um, quite often it's just an introduction, like at the eleventh hour, where you know people have found a property or they found a project they want they want to you know acquire they want to get going and they realize that uh you know the, the bank is going to take too long or there's an issue an unexpected issue that popped up they have to come see us so to answer your question like we we do things both ways like we start the relationship from the beginning with no deal in, in play or it can also come like at the last minute and uh you know the deal the the, the client comes and we're kind of off to the races. So either either way works. Um, and again, we're happy to chat with people to get to know them, uh, describe what we do, give them a good idea of how we could help them. And um, yeah. And so when you're evaluating a specific deal, do you look more at the person, like the personal aspect? So for example, if I'm looking at a residential mortgage, my uh, residential broker is going to identify or going to, how can I say, qualify me based on my personal income and my personal situation. If I'm working with a bank on a multi-residential deal, they're going to, yes, make sure that I'm not a total muppet, but basically they're going to be looking more at the property. So how do you guys do that balance? So, so, so we look at both, you know, we, we look at the, at, at the whole picture, we look at the project in, in, in question, um, you know, we, we consider every aspect of like the deal. So what are you paying for the property? You know, is it, is, is it an aggressive price? Is it a below market price? Are you buying it well? Uh, what are you guys looking to do with it? Is it, uh, you're, you're just buying it, like, like I said before, you just for speed. So we're going to come in and help you, help you acquire the property and get taken out by a bank, you know, in a couple or in, in a few months. Like everything is case by case, but we evaluate the project, we evaluate the people, um, and that you actually touched on a point that made me think to mention: we don't deal with individuals and their homes. We only deal with business, you know, transactions. So um, we do finance single-family homes from time to time, but it's generally uh, situations where someone's doing a flip, like they're buying the property, they're going to renovate it, and they're going to sell it. It's not people who live in their homes. But like to qualify the, uh, you know, to qualify the deal, when we look at the borrower, the client, we definitely evaluate like you know them as an individual, uh, you know their balance sheet, uh, their financial strength. But it, it's kind of like, you know, I can't say one's more important than the other. But we definitely get the whole picture. So like you know, who are they? What have they done? What are the approaches they realize? What kind of liquidity? Do they or don't they have, you know, like what are the constraints and also like what merits does the project have? So we really look at both. Okay, so it sounds like it's more of a case by case deal and you guys are really looking maybe at the full package as opposed to either just the property as more like a conventional multi-residential lender would do or else just the personal. Um, and so right, no, no, but, yeah. But, that's exactly it but that being said like you know much like a commercial lender uh where you're buying like an apartment building for example we 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 focus on like the property and the project um but again you know we do look at like the the team behind it the partners the borrower to look at what their you know capacity is to execute if they've done it before is it a first time thing uh yeah 
And so maybe you could just uh, walk me through what your typical conditions are for lending. Like, I'm not sure if there is such a thing as a typical deal for you guys, but let's say maybe term, um, do you take interest? Is there capital payments? Like, what are your lending terms like usually? Yeah, so, you know, again, like a lot of my answers today are going to, you know, be uh, everything is case by case because it really is. But generally speaking, the terms, uh, you know, the, the, that apply to um, most of our loans are the, uh, the the term on average is one year, pre, like open after six months to be repaid. So no fees, no penalties. That being said, case by case, we do shorter term loans, you know, three months, four months. Uh, we do longer term loans, you know, 24 months, sometimes 36. Um, and again, like we're flexible, there could be options to renew at a certain point, like depending on the project and timeline. Um, all of our loans are non amortizing, so it's always interest only. Uh, interest is payable monthly. Uh, we charge, uh, you know, a, a, a deal fee and we charge you know, an, annual, an annual interest rate, which is payable monthly, like I said. Um, those are the typical terms. We look at financing, you know, depending on the deal, the purchase price, the costs of the project, anywhere from, uh, you know, 70 to 85% of total cost. So if it's a renovation project, that means, you know, the price to acquire the property plus renovations. If it's just an acquisition, you know, it's just based on that. Uh, if it's construction, you know, it's the land and the construction. So those are the general kind of like high level terms. But again, it's really case by case. And what might be the typical rate spread? I don't know, again, if that's something where there there's kind of a, like a, a bracket that you usually work within. What what kind of rates do you guys have? So our, our rates, like it is a fairly narrow range of like what the interest rate might look like. It really depends on, again, the project, the leverage, uh, the timing. You know, it's a factor of the risk that, that we determine. But, um, and importantly, it depends which rank we're in. So we often do second rank loans too, where we come in behind the first rank lender, um, whether it's, you know, to provide liquidity to finish another project or to boost the leverage they were able to get from the bank. Um, depending on where we rank, you know, the capital stack, that, that kind of affects the rate too. But it's a pretty narrow range and it's, um, you know, anywhere from 8% to 12%. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And so I have to say, this is a, a question that I always kind of wanted to ask a private lending guy. How does it work if people want to invest with you? Do you accept people from outside who want to be a part of your fund, I guess it is? Um, and if so, what kind of returns could somebody expect if they invest with you? Another good question. Uh, the reality is, you know, we're, we're a pretty tight-knit private group who's been doing business together for a long time. We're not open to new uh, investment. Um, I can't really speak for others because I only really know how kind of we work here. But um, I do know that other private lenders, you know, they're open for business in the sense that they're open to new capital and new investors coming in. But the terms and conditions and that, you know, expected return rate, I'm, I'm really not sure. Okay. Okay. So basically you guys have like, let's say your investment capital is already part of your fund and then you sort of administer the capital that you have. Basically, basically, basically. And that being said, you know, there's a lot of private lenders out there in the market, um, different size, scale, capacity. Um, 
we're, 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 we're quite active in, in, in the Quebec market, mostly Montreal. But, um, you know, quite often we get people who come knock on our door looking to help with, uh, with the real estate project. And uh, what we hear from them is they already have a private lending relationship. They're well serviced. They like the guy they deal with. But he's kind of tapped out at the moment. You know, he's limited capacity and he has to wait for loans to be repaid before he can make new ones. And that's quite often one of the reasons why people come and they find us. And we don't have the same constraints necessarily. We have uh, we have good capacity here to execute on deals, and we have a lot of appetite. Okay, good to know. So let me ask you another question that I was kind of curious about. Have you ever had deals gone sour without getting into any confidential information you don't want to share, but maybe you could just give us a horror story or two? Yeah, um, that's a good question. We like to we like to think that you know we're pretty conservative and and we uh, you know we underwrite uh, we understand the market so we're, we're we're prudent when we get into things and you know the objective is to make a loan get repaid build a relationship go on to the next one and help people you know help fuel people's growth and help them get things done. That being said, like you know things do go wrong and you know there are challenges. We've only had a couple instances where we had to actually. Um, you know, clean up a mess, so to speak. Uh, they, they are pretty confidential, so I, I can't really get too into them. But, um, you know, basically when we look at any new deal, we always ask ourselves a question, like, is this something that we would want to take back, you know, at, at our cost? And uh, if we can't say yes to that, then it's a deal that we don't really want to get into. Um, but that being said, you know, th th these challenging files do come up. With us, they're pretty rare. But, uh, you know, it happens from time to time. Okay. So no tenants from hell story today. <laughs> you know, we, um, no, no, no stories from hell. But, you know, when, when it does happen, that something goes sideways and we have to get, you know, involved. Um, it usually is pretty messy. There's usually a good reason why, you know, something happened, you know, costs, uh, you know, Budgets got blown and things took longer than they were than, than expected. There's usually reasons for that because we tend to deal with people who are, we like to think that we deal with people who know what they're doing. And that's part of like, you know, our qualifying process is, you know, we don't, we don't want to deal with headaches. So we want to get into deals where we know it's going to go well, get repaid, go on to the next one. But uh, yeah, those things do happen. But so let me just pull on a thread then. If I want to set myself up for success, with you guys and I want to bring you a project and I want to be sure that things are going to work out. Is there like a little checklist of things that I need to prepare myself for or, or things that will stand me in good stead? Um, no, I mean, you know, uh, you guys know real estate projects and like, you know, the more organized you are, the more due diligence you've done, the more you've kind of gone through the different steps of your project and you know validated different assumptions you know you're setting yourself up to succeed so you know when someone comes to see us and they show us a deal and they say like i'm looking for financing i'm going to buy this building of you know 15 units and you know vacate them or you know finish vacating the half vacant building renovate it and release it you know if if we if if they don't have a good pro forma on paper they haven't done their numbers we don't you know, get a sense that they really know what they're getting into and they have an idea high level, but they haven't dug deep enough and they can't answer basic questions about what's this going to cost, what's that going to cost, uh, what are you going to rent the apartments for, what's your strategy, then it's kind of a red flag for us. So go back to your earlier question, um, you know, how do you set yourself up for success with us? Is 
you know, to come prepared. Uh, you know, we, we, we want to move quickly. We want to take decisions quickly. And uh, the best way to do that is to, to come to us with an organized file. Yeah, I just want to jump in and uh, the current situation. I know it was a particular year in real estate. Uh, how did it reflect uh, any repossession a little bit more? Is there, was there a dent during summer about real estate? So I'm curious to know what was the year for a private uh, lender? Yeah, good question. I mean, it's a, it was a year full of uncertainties for everybody out there. I mean, this has never really happened before. Um, in the early days, we were all kind of concerned, like everybody else was. It was a bit of a panic. You know, what's happening? What's going on? Where are things going to end up? Um, because we're primarily focused on apartments, so on, on multi-res, on rentals, we were pretty well insulated, and um, our, our loans did well throughout the first wave into the summer and up until now because, you know, People, even though they lost jobs in certain instances, they had government assistance. So we, we, we did quite well. Um, that being said, our appetite definitely changed. Uh, you know, back during the first wave in March and April, we were much more conservative, um, you know, because there was so much uncertainty, like, you know, what's happening, what's going to happen to rental rates, where value's heading, uh, are the banks going to keep doing business or is capital going to dry out? So there's a bit of uncertainty, but I, I got to say that since uh, since May, May, June, you know, the summer was pretty normal in terms of deal flow, a, a little slower than usual. Um, and again, like we adjusted our, our underwriting, underwriting criteria, so we are more conservative. But that being said, like we still did some good business and, and we've made it through okay so far. Okay, okay well. Actually, yeah, a good thing that I, I didn't mention that, uh, that, that I wanted to was Another reason people come to a private, besides just like, you know, speed and outside the box deals is that, um, you know, we can be creative when it comes to accessing, you know, capital in like an existing portfolio. So quite often, you know, our customers are very busy, very active, there's a lot going on. Um, a deal pops up, uh, they want to move on it, but they don't have the liquidity today to be able to, you know, purchase a property or get into the project. So what we can do, which, you know, it's trickier for a bank, is uh, we can leverage the rest of the portfolio to provide you know, the capital needed to buy the property in question or get into the new project. So we can we can be very aggressive when it comes to financing, you know, new projects, like up to 100% financing, if the, the value's there in their existing portfolio and we can, you know, take mortgages and liens on existing buildings. So, like, creativity is an important aspect, too, of what we do. Um, that being said, during the pandemic, uh, like your question, uh, Jean-Philippe, like, how did it affect us? We had a lot of customers who own, um, you know, who own portfolios and they have apartments and also commercial properties. They were taking, you know, seconds on existing rental properties where they had, you know, equity built up. And taking that, that that capital just to have liquidity in case they had issues collecting rents in their commercial properties or in case they ran into like, you know, some kind of cash crunch. So as a private lender, we're able to be creative and, you know, go access you know, the, the value and the equity in the portfolio to help them with some liquidity. Nice. Thanks. All right, Terry. Yeah. So uh, I know my questions might be a little bit redundant, but if you had to summarize for me how you assess the risk in a specific deal. You mentioned already how organized the person is and kind of what their track record is like. What other factors might you look at when you're assessing risk? 
I mean, the, the, the risk factors for us, um, like you just touched on it, you know, the, uh, the borrower, the clients, you know, they've done it before, what's their track record, uh, you know, how capable do they seem? Um, you know, the project itself, the asset that we're lending on itself, that's, you know, probably number one for us. What do the numbers look like in terms of leverage? You know, what's the market value? Um, you know, if it's vacant or there's vacancy issues, how tough is it to lease it and at what rents? Uh, and the market too, like, you know, where's the property located? Is it a market that we know? Are we familiar with, you know, the this type of product? So we often get calls from, you know, brokers or clients who are looking to help finance a deal that's kind of like outside, you know, the Montreal, like the Premier Couron like area. And if it's a strong group, a strong sponsor with a strong balance sheet, have a good portfolio, and, you know, we can get comfort on that level. If we don't know the market, all that well, um, that's that that's like a major risk factor for us, just because not that it's a bad market, just like we don't know it. So we like to you know know what we don't know. So risks would be you know the the, the borrower, the client, the product itself, and then the market. Uh, Daniel, just to uh, just to explain, because I know that people are starting in real estate or are listening to this podcast. As you can see, private lenders are not pawn shop guys at the at the corner street of uh, Saint Catherine, Ontario. Some people are thinking that, and uh, and uh, when they repossess a property as well, uh, they need to follow law as well. So people are scared about people breaking legs and stuff. So uh, private lender is is a pretty uh, useful tool. I uh, use it many times. I've used uh, you guys uh, also for uh, one of the deal. And uh, you're talking about volume, uh, Daniel. Is this, I don't know if it's confidential or, or, or not, but what's your, your volume at Westmount Capital of, of, of lending money in, in, in orders of deals or in order of, of total amount? I'm, ju I'm just curious. So, like, in terms of volume, um, and like our, I'll talk about like our average deal size. That's a good point. You know, people have like a bit of a misconception with private lenders. They think, like you said, like it's some guy in the corner or some guy in a smoky uh, bar who's ready to break legs if the rent, uh, if the interest checks don't come in. You know, we run a business, like we're business people. We often work with banks. So the banks, you know, we have good relationships with all the uh, conventional lenders. They know that they can call on us to help them in certain situations or help service their clients when they can't be competitive or they're not able to help. Uh, that being said, volume, um, you know, we're, we're, we're quite active, like I said before. Our, our average loan amount is probably around $2, $3 million. Uh, we have no real loan minimum and, and no real maximum. Uh, you know, we do smaller loans and much bigger loans. Um, I would say, like, you know, don't hesitate to get in touch with, with any deal you might have. There we are. You there? Okay. Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Yep. Okay, you just caught. Uh, you just uh, we just lost three four seconds, uh, Daniel. Sorry. Yeah, we're, we're, where should we start? Yeah. Uh, well, typical amount I think was two three millions. Yeah, so like yeah. is like our average, but we'll do smaller loans. Like I said, if it's uh, a good customer or someone that we think we can have a lot of future business with, that we see like you know something there to invest in, we'll do smaller deals. Um, so look, there's, there's no real minimum, there's no real maximum, uh, really any deal could be of interest. Um, that being said, depends, again, it's always case by case. 
uh, if it's complicated and messy and it's a second rank to help them uh, get something off the ground for, you know, 500,000 bucks might not be so interesting for us. But um, yeah, we're, we're active at every different level. Talking about uh, second rank, uh, Daniel, uh, I know you guys, you said you're working with banks. Uh, I know second ranks are, are sometimes tricky with the banks uh, that could put the actual loan in default. Uh, do you have a, a good rate of success of putting second rank uh, with the agreements of, of, of the banks? That's a bit of a loaded question, but uh, yes, we've had good success. Um, like you said, often a second rank will push the borrower into default. So uh, we're very careful when, you know, when and where we do get involved. Uh, that being said, we have good relationships with, you know, the, the conventional lenders that are out there. So, you know, if, if there's any sort of uh, uncertainty about the impact of, you know, putting a second on a particular property, we can, um, we can and we do speak with the lender and, you know, the account managers or, you know, people, the VPs there that we have contact with. Like, we'll speak and try and figure out a solution. Any banks? Uh, I'm just pushing my luck here, Daniel. Uh, any banks that uh, you're, uh, you're, there's a good relation where you, you managed to get the second rank approved? Name a bank. <laughs> Desjardins. Uh, Desjardins, would it be good? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll stick to that. We'll stick to that. I All mean, right. like the, more, the more active guys out there, like, you know, Desjardins does, you know, a ton of business here. Um, and we have a good relationship with them. So, uh, yeah, look, uh, like I said, it's, it's always case by case, but we're not, um, we're, we're able to, like where other private lenders might not be able to get involved with the bank, you know, have a discussion directly with the, you know, the first rank lender, we can quite often, you know, help massage or get something done. Or, you know, if it's not going to work, figure out an alternative. So. If the bank is not open to having a second come in behind it, we can um, maybe look at bringing the business elsewhere. Either you know having us come in and take out the bank and you know put in some kind of facility where it'll be temporary to help you know bridge whatever is being done, or bring in another lender that would allow us to come in. So we we're here to help the clients, right? Like whatever the clients need and want. So um, we're, we're we're super flexible. Okay, I'm, I'm still surprised that uh, the banks are accepting the uh, second rank from private lender. If they're, they're, I mean, if they're limiting their loan due to debt cover ratio, having the second rank as a private lender increase the stress on the borrower. So, um, yeah, yeah, I know how this 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 discussion with uh, David, your coworker. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, look, the instances, the instances where we can structure a deal, you know, with with the first ranking lender, um, there's all sorts of interlender agreements. So, you know, we agree uh, with the bank that you know they take priority. We're subordinated to them, and uh, yeah, like you, you make a good point. You know, the deal has to make sense for for everyone. But um, to go back to your original question, you're surprised that some lenders would allow a second to come in. You know, it's not uncommon in, in today's market. You know, costs are going up. You know, values are increasing. Uh, like, it's a tough market to do good deals. The banks are aware of that, too, because they know that their customers want to keep you know, doing new projects. And they have to remain profitable. So one of the ways of doing that is to increase your leverage so you have less, you know, less money in the deal and you can get a better return. So the banks, you know, depending on the client, the project, and who the private lender is to, like who the second rank lender is, 
those those are all factors that come into the decision making. All right, thanks, Daniel. Okay, Terry, back to you. Yeah, that's a really uh, great tip. I didn't wasn't aware of that. Um, so let me ask you our crystal ball question, which comes up in just about every interview. Um, in light of the uncertainty and sort of the bouncing around that's gone on just in terms of what's going on in the markets in the last year and then if you put that together with the fact that the Montreal market has been appreciating rather a lot in the past year what might you expect in the next year if you looked in your crystal ball it's it's uh i wish i could give you a good answer um all i know is that you know like i said before a couple times we're, we're really conservative so we're um we're not trying to you know, we're not trying to hit home runs. We're not trying to uh, be the hero and do deals that nobody else wants to do. Uh, where we might have gone to, you know, 85% of, of, of cost or of, of value pre-COVID, you know, we're not necessarily willing to do that given all the uncertainty today. So, like, if I had that crystal ball and we knew where things were going to end up, we'd probably be a lot more aggressive. But we're just trying to be safe. Um, you know, protect ourselves, our investors, protect the clients too, because we want we want the clients to succeed. And like, by the way, like uh, Jean-Philippe, you like you know David, you've spoken in the past, you've done business. If we don't think it's a great deal, you know, uh, you know, we'll we'll you know, we'll kind of like discuss it with the customer and you know, give more point of view. But to uh, to kind of navigate all this uncertainty in the market, we're just being more conservative. And setting ourselves up to uh, to not get in any trouble. So that might mean being more conservative, you know, being less aggressive on the leverage, or passing on certain deals. But we think um, we're we're still bullish. Like we still want to put money out there. We still want to do deals. We like the rental market a lot. Apartments, uh, you know, we we see that it's done well throughout uh, the pandemic. That being said, like you know, the downtown high rise stuff has been a little bit harder hit. Um, just you know, naturally, like people aren't working in office buildings and students aren't around. But uh, we 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 still like the market, and we're pretty we're, we're pretty bullish. Okay. Well, uh, look, Daniel, thank you for your comments so far. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to add, or any other comments you'd like to make? I would just encourage anybody who has any questions to uh, to reach out. Don't be shy. Um, you know, give me a call, send me an email. We can discuss. Uh, you know how we work or how we could help with uh, certain projects so just don't don't be shy I'm happy to uh, to chat okay well thanks so much for sharing this lunchtime with us Daniel I think that you've given us a pretty good overview of how private lending works and like maybe helped position your firm a little bit in terms of the offer that's out there so let me say thank you from us and from our listeners and to wish everybody a good Tuesday Thank you so much. I appreciate the uh, invitation and I look forward to uh, trying to do some business all together. All right. And Daniel, just to let you know, I've put the, uh, your email address in the comments. So if people you want to get in touch with uh, Daniel about any project, you have his info. So, Thanks. all right. Have a Thanks good one. So Thanks. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating. Leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. 
You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.